Well, welcome to Centerpoint Church Online. I'm so glad that we can be together today for this moment. If you're new with us, my name's John Hansen. I'm lead pastor of Centerpoint, and this is church. And uh, before we get into the message, I think it's important for us to take a moment and pray over our tithes and offerings. And if you haven't yet begun to give, I wanna urge you to do that. I wanna urge you to give and help us further the work of the gospel that God has called us to do. Our mission is loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. And as we give, we further that mission. And so it's very simple to give. You can go to mycenterpoint.tv and click on give uh, or use the texting options. But would you take a moment now and do the giving or take a moment and pray with me over the giving you've already done. Let's consecrate our offerings. Pray with me. Lord, I thank you for what you've provided for us. And God, we together give you thanks that if we have anything to give, it's because you've been faithful to us. Lord, you're our sustainer and provider, and we give you thanks for how you've sustained and provided for us. So we pray over our offerings. We consecrate these to you now, Lord. Thank you that we get to give, and we give now with faith. And even as we pray, Lord, we wanna pray for our nation. God, we wanna pray for the peace that is possible to prevail. And I pray, Father, that right now you would cause there to be, uh, instead of rage on the streets, more of a sense of your peace all across our land. I pray, Father, that hearts would turn back to you. And Lord, together as a church body, even in this moment, gathering uh, throughout in various locations, we turn to you right now, God. Your word says that if your people would humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, and that's us right now, and we're humbling ourselves. We're turning from everything wicked, and we're turning to you, God. You said that if we do that, that you would hear from heaven, and you would turn, and you would heal our land. And I'm asking, God, we're asking together, Lord, would you heal our land? Would you say that with me right where you are, even at home or driving or in the kitchen? Would you say, Lord, heal our land? Cry out with me. Would you, Lord, heal our land? One more time, say it together with me. Lord, heal our land. We're asking, Lord, that you would do this. We need your touch on the United States of America, on the things that are taking place at every turn. Help, Lord, and heal our land. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. It's important that we take some time to pray. I know that uh, normally we uh, wanna just get right into the message, but I think you'd agree with me in a week like the one we've had, it's important that we be on our knees together, praying for God's will in our own hearts and in our nation. But it's time for the message. And first thing, I just, I need to tell you, I have a problem. I have a problem. And the problem is I'm a sucker for buying things off of Facebook pop-up ads. Okay, there, I said it. It's out there. I've got the problem, right? And the problem began, I don't know, a couple of years ago. Uh, I was maybe having a conversation about uh, snoring, and Anne was complaining about the fact that I would wake her up with my snoring at night. And so Facebook heard and delivered a bunch of pop-up ads for anti-snoring things. And one in particular caught my attention. There was this anti-snoring device that this ad was portraying, and this thing was amazing. It had internal compressors and micro-pumps and micro-blowers. It looked like something that was designed by Elon Musk. I mean, this thing was incredible, and I just couldn't resist. And before I knew it, I just was hitting the buy button. <laughs> And uh, weeks went by, I forgot all about it, 
But seven, eight weeks later, this dusty, ratty, torn up, nasty looking little bag shows up in the mail. And what was it? It was the anti-snoring device. The only thing is, this thing was nothing like the Elon Musk amazingness that I was imagining. It was a piece of plastic junk that looked like a kazoo. <laughs> this, is what, this is what I got. And the thing is, it's frustrating. It's frustrating when the image that's portrayed is so different from the reality that's experienced. It's so frustrating when uh, the picture that's given is, is so different from the actual. And so today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to turn in the scriptures to Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to look at a picture But this picture is no fake picture of some knockoff. This is a picture of the real thing. It's a picture of Jesus. It's one of the most beautiful, powerful, compelling pictures of Jesus in the New Testament, infused with this rich theology that we got to pay attention to. But it's a picture of Jesus that you and I need to look deeply into. And so we're turning to Colossians, but as you're on your way there to Colossians 1, let me just set this up a little bit. So in Colossae, the city in Ephesus, near Ephesus, modern-day Turkey, the people in that area had uh, all kinds of interesting elements to their culture. And as these people were becoming new believers and forming a new church together, they carried with them into their church experience some of the beliefs that were dominant in the culture around them. They weren't trying to do something nefarious. It's just the way things sometimes go. I mean, they were interested in Jesus and church and all this, but they also still had these other kinds of beliefs. And so in Colossae, you had uh, people who, who believed in all of the Greek gods, you know? And so you had people believing in Artemis and Daphne and Zeus, and, and they thought, well, Jesus, interesting. Just one more to add to the collection. So there was that kind of an idea, it kind of working its way into the church. You also had uh, people in that area who deeply believed in the teachings of the uh, Greek philosophers. And and so some of that philosophy claimed that the created order, anything created or material was evil and, and bad. And so some people with those kinds of ideas were part of the church experience, even though they were uh, believers in Jesus, they kind of carried that in and 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 then there were others who believed that salvation was definitely a possibility, but their idea, because they had partnered with the Gnostic philosophy, that salvation came through secret, special, philosophical knowledge that you could acquire. And all of these different kinds of ideas were making their way into the church. And it was skewing the picture of Jesus, skewing the sense of, of, re, of the reality of who Jesus is even. And so what comes next in Colossians 1.15, which we're about to read, is it's as though the Holy Spirit is inspiring these words from Paul and Timothy to say, hey, Colossae, you guys are amazing, but we got some problems that we got to address starting with what you're thinking about Jesus. And so that's kind of what comes next is is this beautiful Holy Spirit-given corrective because the people there and then, as well as some of us here and now, need to have an accurate picture of Jesus that's given to us. And so with all of that in mind, let's just jump into Colossians 1, verse 15. Christ is the image 
of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and he's supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Would you just say that one line out loud with me? Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. (laughs) These are powerful words. And, And this is, again, the Holy Spirit speaking this corrective word to the people there in Colossae, in a sense, saying, look, set aside the fakes, set aside the knockoffs and the wannabes, and grab hold of the real thing, and calibrate your faith around Christ for real. And I want you to know that that's the message today. Calibrate your faith around Christ for real. And I want you to just say it with me as a personal declaration. I'm going to calibrate my faith around Christ for real. So Holy Spirit's bringing this corrective word to these people there in Colossae because they had all of those things going on. But guess what? It's not just people back in the day in ancient Colossae that had skewed perceptions of Christ. I mean, people today have skewed pictures of Christ that also need to be displaced by a Holy Spirit-given word. I mean, people even here today would say, oh, uh, Jesus, sure, yeah, he was a, an interesting uh, philosophical figure from a couple thousand years ago. Others might say, oh yeah, Jesus, he was a good moral teacher, you know, just like any of the other good moral teachers. Some would say, oh, uh, Jesus, sure, he was a, a, a noble prophet, a noble prophet. And others would say, you know what, listen, this Jesus is just, you know, some irrelevant character from the pages of history in the ancient Middle East. And all of those skewed perspectives have got to go. And here in the pages of Colossians, in the book of the Bible that we're studying through together in this series, it's Holy Spirit saying, get your faith calibrated around Christ for real and take a good hard look at the real thing and don't settle for any fakes. Let me just take you back into those words again in verse 15. And I want you to look at this and think about it and even say it out loud. Would you read verse 15 out loud with me? Ready? Go. Christ is the image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. It's like as though the scriptures here are saying, you want to know what God is like? Then take a good look at Jesus. It's like the Bible here is saying, I know you have a a yearning inside to understand the eternal. You want to know God. You want to know him? Then look at Jesus. Because what you see in Jesus reflects who God is. His actions, his tone, his interactions, his ways, his method, his responses, his reactions, all that you see in the Gospels, this reflects who God is. That's what we see here. And we read that he is supreme over all creation. I want you to just read that first part of that verse again out loud with me. Ready? Say it. Christ is the image 
of the invisible God. This is what God wants you and I to recognize, is that Jesus reflects who God really is. But there's that phrase that we read earlier, he is supreme over all creation. That's an interesting phrase, huh? He's supreme over all creation. And, and you know what? It's interesting. We think about creation and, and uh, throughout the ages, scientists and philosophers have come up with all kinds of ways to analyze and understand the world around us. And one of the most recent theories is, is a theory for everything called string theory. And it's interesting. String theory is trying to make sense of all of the different quantum physics realities and tie it all together and express the nature of reality. And the, what string theory posits is that inside of every, everything that you can think of, what you find is ultimately molecules and then atoms. And then within the atoms, you have electrons and neutrons and then smaller particles than that, the quarks and electrons, the smallest particles known. But string theory goes a step further and posits that within each one of those quarks and electrons, there is a string of ontological resonance that connects that exact point of that particle through ambient space-time, sidereal time, bound by interdimensional gravity to the world sheet of scattering amplitudes. What does that even mean? <laughs> what that means, what it really means is that even the best of modern physics determines that there has to be a way that everything is actually connected and held together for any of it to make sense. <laughs> Sounds familiar, doesn't it? I think we read that in verse 17. Say it out loud with me. Ready? Say it. He existed. It's talking about Jesus. I'm sorry I interrupted you right when you were reading it so well. Let's do it again. Ready? Go. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. He, Jesus, holds all creation together. String theory is guessing at what this is that could possibly be the very fabric of all existence, the very ground of all being, but the scriptures revealed it already. It's Jesus. He's the one who holds it all together. He holds it all together, but this isn't just about molecules and particles and electrons and quarks. This is about me and you and our lives. Because when it says that he holds all creation together, this isn't just ethereal. This is about me and you. He holds all creation together. That includes you and me and our lives. And I want you to stake your claim on this today, that he is holding all creation together, and therefore he is holding you together. He is holding your family together. He's holding your business together. He can hold your son together, even though it seems like he's just about to slip away. He's holding your daughter together, even though it looks like her life's about to go out of control. He is holding your marriage together, even though it feels like you both just want to quit. He is able to hold you together because at the end and the beginning, he is the one who is, in fact, holding it all together. I want you to make this declaration by faith right now and just simply say it with me. Jesus, I believe say it. Jesus, I believe you're holding me together. Say it. You're holding me together. Let's just say it all together, all in one. Ready? Jesus, I believe you're holding me together. 
Say it one more time. Jesus, I believe you're holding me together and you're not gonna drop me. You're not gonna let me go. You're not gonna let me fall apart because you're the one holding all creation together. This is our Jesus. Doesn't it feel good to the spirit to take this good long look at a beautiful, true picture of who Jesus really is? Well, back to my, my problem. I wish I could tell you that my problem ended with that anti-snoring device, but it didn't. Because, see, there was this other time I was, uh, I was in need of a tripod. Um, this is, you know, when the whole lockdown thing all began back in March. I needed to do more little videos, and so I needed a little tripod. I was talking with somebody about little tiny tripods, and of course, Facebook was listening. So next thing I know, boom, 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 pop-up ads left and right for tripods to hold my phone and take videos with. And this one caught my eye. I, mean, I think the store name was something like youstuffstore.com or something ridiculous, right? That should have been the dead giveaway, but I'm a slow learner sometimes. Anyway, this, this uh, small tripod that they were offering was amazing. I mean, this thing had uh, motorized gas-filled pistons on the inside of it. It had like lockdown tactical side wings that looked like something that would be used by Navy SEALs. I mean, this thing was amazing. And I just, I just had to have it. Bye, 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 bye. Thing is, they, 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 they got me because they said, oh, you want one? Well, we'll give you, we'll give you a, a ring light to go with it for an extra nine bucks. That's great. And then another thing popped up saying, hey, if you'll buy five or more, we'll give you 40% off. And I did think to myself, well, we're a family of five. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> oh, man, that's just the reality of what happened for me. I told you I have a problem. And, uh, and then you know, a couple months went by, forgot all about it. And then this dusty, ratty old bag shows up. Looks like it was dragged out of the bottom of a barge or something. Shows up on my doorstep, and, and I open it up, and uh, yeah. So I got, I got that little uh, thing. And, and now this is like a glorified selfie stick. The thing doesn't even stand up. I'm kidding you not. And this thing looks like a little nightlight. Yep, told you I got a problem, and uh, I, I really kind of do. <laughs> It's important to take a good look at the picture and not get duped by a knockoff, not get suckered in by, by a fake. And, and so today in this scripture, we're getting a deep dive into the beauty and the reality of the truth of who Jesus actually is. And I wanna take you back into uh, the scriptures in Colossians 1. And we gotta take this in together in verse 18. It says, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he's first in everything. I want you to just hear this one more time. You could say it out loud with me if you want. Ready? Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He's the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. All right, first of all, for any of us who are believers in Jesus, if you're a believer in Jesus, you can just, in the comments, write, amen. <laughs> for any of us who are believers in Jesus, he has brought us in to be a part of, of his very body. 
the church and he's the head of it. He's the one in charge. He is the one who leads this whole worldwide movement of all of us who just woke up from the reality of our sin and recognized we needed a savior. And, and he's the head of this, this movement called the church. It's his body and it matters to him. We, as a group who are collected together as one organism, one family, one body, we matter to him. And he is the head over this thing. And it's possible because he beat death. I mean, that's what we read. He conquered death. He is the firstborn from the dead, one translation says. that he, Here he is supreme over all who rise from the dead. And then it goes on to say, so he is first in everything. That phrase matters. So he is first in everything. Say it with me. So he is first in everything. Yeah, he is. And another translation says that so that he might uh, be preeminent over all things. I mean, this is the, a phrase that matters in the scriptures. And it's really, to me, an invitation. When I read this phrase that he might be first in everything, I see it as an invitation from God to live a life where that is the reality personally. Not just that he's first in everything out there somewhere, but that he would be first in everything right here in my life, right here in your life. That we, we would have lives that wouldn't be a knockoff, but that would be the real deal. And we would have lives that are Jesus first kinds of lives, first in everything that we would be able to live a life where it would be true of us, that Jesus is first in, in my heart, first in my thoughts, first in my imagination, first in my fantasies, first in my family, first in my work, first in my business, first in my desires, first in my thirsts, first in my hungers, that he would be first in all things. And so right now, I wanna ask you to ask yourself that question. Is Jesus first in all things in my life, because there's an invitation in this scripture to recognize whether that's the case or not, and to see if maybe there's some things that need to get changed up a little bit so that that reality can be presently true for you and me. So I'm asking you to ask yourself that question, is Christ first in all things in you? And what needs to be displaced so that you can calibrate your faith around Christ for real? and that he would be first in all things, in your spirit, in your heart, in your desires, in your adorations, in your affections, in your dreams, first in all things. I wanna read in verse 19, continue. It says this, God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. You know, if you're wondering, why do I need to live a life where Jesus is first in everything? Why would that even matter? The verses we just read give reason for why. Because of who he is. First of all, again, the scriptures by saying all of God's fullness was in him. The scriptures are again saying, look, if you really want to know God, look at Jesus. You really want to get a sense of what God is like, look at Jesus. And, and then look what Jesus did for you. Look what Jesus did for me. I mean, he, he reconciled everything to himself, but not by just snapping his fingers. But instead, 
by giving up his own life and through his death, his death on a cross. This moment matters to you and I. It matters that we would understand what Jesus actually did. Jesus moved into the mess so that we could be reconciled. That word reconciled is an important one. When I hear the word reconciled, I think about accounting. And I remember growing up, my dad was an accountant for a certain season of life. And I remember even looking at him doing accounting on a paper ledger book. And and he would reconcile the ledger sometimes. And and that meant making sure that all of the all of the numbers added up and that there was a, a, a right reflection at the end. That things had to balance out. And if I think about Jesus reconciling me, I have to acknowledge the fact is what I've brought to the, ca- the table and to the equation is nothing but a bunch of deficits. But he brought to the ledger all of his perfection, all of his power and perfect love and beauty. And by his perfection, he has done the reconciling in my favor so that I would be right with God. He did this for you. I want you to let it sink in. I don't ever get tired of reminding you that this is the reality of our right standing with God, what Jesus did for us. And we need to do this. We need to calibrate our faith around Christ for real. Our faith isn't built around, well, if, I'm, if I try hard enough, if I finally complete that one-year Bible plan, oh man, I already missed two days and we're only in the first week of the year. It's not a matter of what I'm gonna do. It's a matter of what Jesus Christ has done. He does the reconciling. He makes me right with God. He makes you right with God. Take a deep breath and just let out a sigh of relief. That doesn't mean we don't need to keep growing and learning and discovering. Of course we do. But we rest in the grace of God's goodness to us in Jesus doing the reconciling. He does the reconciling. But what I see is also that with Jesus, the end game is peace. Did you see that? How many? It was right there in verse 20 that, that he made peace with everything on heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Peace was the end game for Jesus. And it is the end game, peace. And I'm gonna calibrate my faith around Christ for real. And I'm gonna embrace this reality that there's peace that is possible because of Jesus and his presence in my life. There's peace that's available for for my marriage that feels like it's in a storm right now. There's peace that's available for my home where there's a lot of tension. There's peace that's available in my work group. There's peace that I can lay hold of in my pursuits. This peace is available at every measure through all of time and space in all of creation, right down to my life and yours because of what Jesus did. And peace that is possible is ultimately accomplished through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus, his blood shed on the cross, his blood shed on the cross. You know, when I think about what Jesus did, his blood shed on the cross, I recognize that this world so full of chaos, brokenness, shadows and shame, pain, devastation, destruction, scars, wounds, darkness of every kind, sin. I recognize that 
that is something that's beyond any human being to actually deal with. And in order to deal with it, Jesus had to actually enter into it, right into the brokenness, right into the the pain, right into the shame, right into the scars and wounds, and ultimately into death itself, so that he could conquer it, so that you and I could be set free. I'm grateful. I don't know about you. Maybe right now is a good time to just say, thank you, Jesus, with me. Say it, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, of all of the problems that that Jesus dealt with for all eternity, I still have my problem. And so uh, back to my problem for just a moment, right? So I had a conversation, <laughs> I told somebody I was, I was looking for a camo shirt, a green army camo shirt would be nice, is what I was thinking to myself, and Facebook was listening. <laughs> and so, of course, a bunch of ads started popping up for these different uh, camo shirts, and this one caught my eye. I thought, oh, that looks really cool. It's got this tattered star imprint kind of embedded into the fabric. That's really cool. I think it would be amazing. And, and I, uh, I couldn't resist, and I found a discount promo code because... I have a problem, but at least I know how to work it a little bit. And so I clicked the buy button and, you know, I think I forgot that I even did it because, again, you know, months went by until finally another ratty, dusty, dank old little shipping bag was tossed into the corner of my doorstep. <laughs> and, I, and I opened it up and, uh, and, and this, is, this is the shirt. Uh, this one I have to demonstrate for you today. It, it's actually, a, you know, it's kind of not bad. But then I noticed, oh man, the stitching at the bottom is a way off. <laughs> but it's still kind of okay. But then I noticed the, the back of the shirt. This wasn't in the pictures. In the pictures, there was no silly little words on the back. Keep creating. Travel often. Dream big. Come on. I didn't need that. It was a cheap knockoff. This wasn't a real thing. I don't know why. I don't know why. I keep, I keep, you know, I keep just buying the bait every time. I just It worked on me. Anyway, I got a problem. I got a problem. I had to let you know it didn't work out for me. But here's the deal. If you and I settle for an inaccurate, flimsy version of who we think Jesus is, we're gonna end up with a faith that's a fake. And so I'm telling you again today, you and I, we need to calibrate our faith around Christ for real. Christ, who he really is, as the scriptures reveal him to be. And I want you to dive into these words in verse 19 with me. Again, it said, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven on on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. (laughs) Yeah, there's a a phrase that was used in what I just read that is kind of jarring, where it said, you were enemies, 
with God. You were his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. I can remember the time in my life uh, before my, my moment of spiritual awakening, which happened for me right around my eighth grade year or so. Before that time, I was not close with God. I remember as a little kid, once in a while, going to some church in Savannah, Georgia, and I just remember, you know, at the coffee hour, there was this big old picture of, uh, on, on the wall, a painting, and it was that classical painting uh, with God as an angry old man reaching his finger down to touch, and that was my sense of what, whatever God was is this angry old guy up there somewhere. And I remember that, t- that long stretch of years where I was far from God. But the scriptures say, yeah, it's not so innocent as that, though. It's not just that you didn't know him. It says you were enemies with him. You were enemies with God because of your evil thoughts and actions. Ouch. Ouch, right? I mean, to me, those words kind of hurt. I don't think of myself in those years as being an enemy with God. But this is the reality that the scripture portrays. There's something about that way of living, of thinking, I don't need God, that sets us up at enmity with God by our evil thoughts and actions. Now, for some of us, we can think of some years in our life where it wasn't just our middle school years or something, but we can think of some actual thoughts and actions that we know were straight up evil. And the scriptures say, yeah, and without Jesus, those evil thoughts and actions will keep you separated from God's goodness, power, and love. And this is why we have a mission as a church, which is to love and lead people to life-changing connection with Christ. Because we don't want anyone to stay in that place of being enemies with God, separated from him by evil thoughts and actions. We, we don't want, I don't want anyone to have to worry about the, the, the things that Uh, we've done wrong and whether we're okay with God, I want for people to know that there's peace with God now and that there's a way to know for all eternity that you're right with God because the alternative is to continue to be an enemy with God and to continue to be separated from God by evil thoughts and actions for all of a lifetime and then into all eternity. That would be a living hell. And in fact, for the revelation of scripture, that's what it is. And I hope and pray that you and I would embrace today the goodness of God that is possible in the reconciling work of Jesus. It's meant to bring us peace. That's what we read, knowing that we're right with God forever. And that line at the end in verse 22 said that you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. That's what the scripture says. It says it about me. I'm holy and blameless as I stand before him without a single fault. Okay, okay, right now I want you to sit up right where you're sitting, sit up straight, or if you're standing somewhere, kind of shrug out the, uh, the wrinkles because I, I know we're at the two-thirds of the way mark in the message and you're zoning out a little, but stick with me, stick with me. And I want you to hear this again, what the scripture says about you, about me. You are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. This is wild. I don't know about you, but I'm willing to admit that there are so many ways that I can point to, and not just you know years ago or something, but in recent weeks, recent days, maybe even recent hours, that I would have to say, 
I know that's not something that would be pleasing to God. I know that's not faultless. I know that's not blamelessness. But yet the scriptures say this. You stand before him holy and blameless without a single fault. How? Through Christ. Through the blood that he shed. Through the perfection of who he is. His perfection in your place makes that peace with God possible. So I want you to just imagine yourself right now. Imagine yourself standing before God. And not the angry old dude in the sky that I mentioned before, but a loving father. Maybe he's seated on the throne. I don't know what comes to your mind, but would you just imagine yourself standing before God for a moment? What are you feeling? Are you feeling like you gotta hang your head? Are you feeling like, I don't know if I deserve to be here. I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling like I'm afraid. Or, th- then here's what you need to do. You need to right now calibrate your faith around Christ for real. Because you, your ability to stand there, faultless, blameless, holy in the presence of God, isn't a function of how many points you've racked up on the spiritual scale or something this week. Your right standing with God, your ability to stand there before God, holy, blameless, faultless, is a function of Jesus and what he's done for you. And right now, just simply, would you say it with me? I believe in all that Jesus has done for me. Just say it. I believe in all that Jesus has done for me. He's paid the price for all of that stuff that would otherwise leave you feeling like you do have faults, you do have something to be blamed for, you are the farthest thing from holy. Yeah, maybe you have some work to do, that's fine. But before God, in his sight, you are holy and blameless. (laughs) Well, back to my problem for a moment. (laughs) So back in October, I was thinking, you know, I'd really love to have a a Sherpa-lined beige denim jacket. And uh, I, w- I started searching for that, and I found a really cool one. It was on, I think, maybe Hollister or something. Thing is, the thing was 80 bucks. I'm not gonna spend 80 bucks on this thing, so I skipped it. But Facebook was on to me. <laughs> Facebook knew what I was looking for, so all of a sudden, of course, you already know where this is going. Bunch of pop-up ads start you know, showing up for beige Sherpa-lined denim jackets. And... I found one that really looked, I thought it looked awesome. I mean, I looked at this and I thought, that's a really cool uh, beige denim jacket. I, I think that's the one. I mean, I couldn't get, wasn't going to get the one for 80 bucks. And I, Hollister, but I, that one looks right. I mean, it was something like, I don't know, $23. And then I had a discount code for 5% off. And hey, this, is, this thing's going to be amazing. I couldn't even help it. I just could click the buy button right there. <laughs> and <laughs> you know the drill, right? Six, seven weeks go by, I forget all about it. And I think that's part of their marketing ploy. I think they know. They're like, ah, by the time it gets there, he'll forgot what it was even supposed to look like. <laughs> anyway, it got there in the ratty old nasty, dirty bag that looked like it came out of the bottom of some shipping ship. And there it was. I, 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 took, I took out my, uh, my, my, my new prized possession. And uh, uh, yeah, there, there it is. Yeah, no, it's, it's not exactly like the one in the picture. And by the way, this thing feels like it was made out of paper. Um, and the brand is, well, no, there isn't a brand. The brand is size large. That's the brand. <laughs> oh, man. The, the website being crollme.com should have been the dead giveaway. But uh, 
I got the jacket, but this is such a far cry from the real thing. I thought I was going to be that guy, you know, totally uh, well-dressed in this awesome jacket. But instead, I'm this guy. (laughs) Anybody want a a jacket? And it was frustrating, though, to, to, to have a picture that I was looking at that looked one way. And then to get the, the actual thing, and it's such a far cry. We need to make sure that we're zeroing in on an accurate, real reflection of who Jesus actually is. And we need to calibrate our faith around Christ for real, who he really is, according to the scriptures and what God's word has said, and build our life on that foundation. This is really what, what we need. Colossians 1.23, it says, you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance that you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. So the scripture said, yeah, you've got to continue in this. Some things need to be stopped. Some things need to be continued. For example, uh, my, my little problem issue, my wife found out that I have a problem with these Facebook ads. And she said, listen, no more Facebook ad buying for you or we're taking away the credit card. <laughs> that needed to not continue. And she made it clear. Uh, but God's word is saying, but what needs to continue is your, your faith calibrated around Christ for real. I want you to see this in, in verse 23 again. In fact, would you say it with me? But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received. You can be sure of your right standing with God through your faith in Christ. End of story. Yes, keep growing. Yes, let the Holy Spirit bring conviction whenever it's needed. Yes, keep following the ways of Jesus more and more. But your right standing with God for all eternity, you can have assurance about that based on your faith in Jesus Christ and what he has done. This is what you're made for. This is what you and I get to live out. And so today, would you just make this resolve with me that you're gonna calibrate your faith around Christ for real. And you're gonna do so with an accurate picture, not some knockoff, pretend Thing that doesn't even exist, but a real picture of who Jesus really is according to the word of God. And if you've never said yes to Jesus before, I'm inviting you to do that right now. I want you to simply take a moment right now and ask yourself, do I know where I stand with God? Do I know God? <laughs> or is God just an idea? Because I think there's an invitation for you today, and that is for you to put your faith in Christ for the first time and receive his gift of salvation that we've been talking about in this message. And so for somebody right now, that's the challenge is for you to once and for all say yes to Jesus. You need to ask him to forgive your sins and save your life. And you need to put your trust in him. And that happens in a moment like right now, finally saying, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. And so would you do that? Would you pray with me? Jesus, I pray that you would do some spiritual awakening right now. And for somebody that it would happen in this very moment. And so while we're praying together, if you are praying with me and you're saying, that's me, I need 
to put my faith in Jesus and ask him to forgive my sins. I wanna turn from all of the, the garbage of sin and death, and I wanna turn to Jesus and receive his gift of eternal life. If that's you, right now I want you to pray with me, and you can, you can simply say these words with me out loud. It's just an idea, a starting point for you, but would you simply begin by saying, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Start right there. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Jesus, I'm turning from my sin, and I'm turning to you and asking you to forgive me and save me. Jesus, would you forgive me and save me? I give you my life, and I ask you to come and be the Lord and Savior of mine. And it's in Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Well, before, before we shift gears here and worship together, I just want you to know, uh, in case uh, anybody was, was interested, um, I also have... Uh, I also have this bad boy right here. I don't even know what conversation Facebook was listening to to offer me this one, but I also couldn't resist. And I put this one on, and my wife told me, take that thing off right now. We don't need any punky Brewster pastor husbands in the house. So uh, there you go. <laughs> Let's not settle for the fakes. Let's make sure that we're calibrating our faith around Christ for real. And, and as we're praying together, I want you to pray with me a little bit longer. I want to pray over our nation again some more. And let's just ask if there's anything else Holy Spirit wants to do. Sit up in your chair for a minute or take a deep breath and oxygenate so your mind is alert and awake. But let's lean in for just a couple moments more. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to move in our lives and do what you alone can do. And I'm asking that even through screens and devices, that we would experience a move of the Holy Spirit right now. And so I pray, Lord, for somebody uh, who's sitting at home and uh, feeling totally desperate because of the pain in their back. I, I can totally relate to that one. <laughs> so I'm, I'm praying for that particular person. And I thank you, Lord, for my own testimony that uh, I'm up, I'm about, and my back, pain, the pain from my back is healed and done and gone. So I'm asking for that same kind of a goodness of your healing touch to come right now to somebody joining with us at home right now. And, and if you're with me right now and that's you and you have faith and you would say, I want the touch of Jesus on my back, just reach back, place your hand on it and say, Jesus, I believe you for your healing touch right now. <clears throat> yeah, and now as we're praying, maybe you have a testimony. Maybe you would say in this moment, I feel his touch. He's healing me. He has healed me. Put it into the comments. Let somebody know. Let's continue to ask, Holy Spirit, what else do you have for us? What else do you wanna do for us? Is there any word of knowledge or something you wanna do for your people as we're gathering together in this moment? Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. And I just saw this image of, of somebody standing in the kitchen and nobody was coming to the table. And it's because of total loneliness. It's a picture of total loneliness. And I felt like I heard a whisper from the Lord of him saying, they're coming back and you won't be alone at this table forever. So maybe for somebody you would say, that's for me. I need to see the Lord do that and receive this as a prophetically given word of knowledge that you can hold on to and believe God for and pray for. What else, Lord? Holy Spirit, come. Is there anything else that you want to do while we're gathering together in this moment? Holy Spirit, I'm asking for your move right now. 
Okay, for somebody, I want you to just touch that place in the front of your head where you, you, you associate with the, the, the extreme headaches always hitting you and it's hitting you right now and you just t- take your, your fingers and put them right there, just, just tap it. And I believe God through the power of the shed blood of Jesus to heal you. I'm asking for him to do that. This is the Jesus way. He went around healing people. And I can't uh, throw a big healing meeting right now, but we can do this even through screens. And I'm asking him to do it and that you would experience relief in this moment. And now I pray for a wave of healing to come for all kinds and all manners of conditions not even named in this moment. I just pray pray for a flood of the healing touch of Jesus. I pray for the anointing of God to be so rich in this moment that some of us would have testimonies of healing that has happened that we would be astounded and surprised by ourselves. Lord, I'm asking for it. I'm praying for cancers to be uh, driven away and out of bodies. I'm praying for metastasis of cancer to stop right now. I'm praying for tumors to dissolve. And I'm praying for uh, healing to come in nerves. I'm praying, God, for uh, gastrointestinal situations to be totally rectified right now because of what Jesus did. Uh, Any other kind of healing touch, I'm asking for it now. I'm believing you for it, God. We're believing you for it. In Jesus' name, and all God's people together, we say, amen, amen. I want you to worship together Jesus Christ. This worship, too, is part of how we calibrate our faith around Christ for real. Let's worship.